Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing. I'm your host He Yang, and good as always to have you with us. The bra and underwear market in China is bigger than ever, with domestic brands quickly taking over the intimate wardrobes of a new generation of Chinese women. We discuss the recipe to success of these companies, and it's a manufacturing story and a tale of female emancipation, all wrapped in one. And It's probably not news that American CEOs are paid hundreds of times more than their average employees. We ask the question: Are CEOs simply overpaid? For today's program, I'm joined by Xin Yu and Brandon Yates in the studio. First on today's show. The Chinese underwear business has grown exponentially in recent years, with emerging brands quickly capturing market share through e-commerce sales channels and fruitfully fulfilling the changing demands from a new generation of Chinese female clientele. Now, some of these successful underwear labels are setting their sights on the international market, with. Nay, already opening brick-and-mortar stores outside of China. So, what does the latest data say about the Chinese underwear market? Well, according to the Chinese Women's Underwear White Paper released in last year,、um, in 2021, the domestic market for women's undergarments reached 176 billion yuan. So that is. Oh, around twenty-four billion dollars.、Um, so that number was a nearly twenty-seven percent increase from that number in twenty sixteen, and the market scale of women's underwear in China is expected to reach four hundred and ninety-five billion yuan by twenty thirty. So the market is very promising, but. When we compare the Chinese market with the U.S. and other European countries, there is a still gap in terms of this underwear consumption. The report also says that Chinese women purchase underwear on an average of four times a year, compared with that people in Europe and the U.S. They purchase twelve times per、wow. year. And also, Chinese women spend an average of forty dollars every year on their underwear, while the Figure is around a hundred dollars in many developed countries. Okay, that number does sound quite often. Do people shop for underwear? But if you count top and bottoms, then make sense, I suppose. But I did catch like a small like gasp of air from the only gentleman in the、mm. studio just <laughs> I'm now. Just, I'm just surprised how big the gap is between China and Europe and the United States. I mean, it's、mm. I think it's almost triple. Um, in terms of consumption per year, yeah, the frequency. Yeah, yes, that's yes. amazing. Well, according to this one yeah, report, yeah, 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 and also this is an area in China that is relatively new because in the past, of course, everybody wears underwear, but、mm. there doesn't seem to have so much research that goes into. Looking at people's shopping habits、mm. and such, and also there weren't so many Chinese brands in this area either. So there are a lot of new trends, new happenings in the business to keep an eye out for. So yeah, yeah you already said something. Yeah, I think the <laughs> figures would be quite interesting to delve deeper into because it would be interesting to see. What is leading to those frequent purchases in Europe and the United States? If it's about functionality, if it's about aesthetic, so it would be interesting to get more information on that. But just that gap in terms of numbers of purchases per year is is pretty interesting.、Um, but I'm sure there is a lot more to it than 
you know, we realize. Yeah, and especially in recent years, we have seen um, quite a few emerging like domestic underwear brands. They have achieved quite a success through their e-commerce platforms. And, um, and this is the part that I find to be super fascinating. And this is almost like counterintuitive for anybody who does not get full-time immersion in the Chinese e-commerce story. That is, when we talk about shopping for bras and underwear, you would have thought people would probably want to feel the fabric, try them on, or this is the area that you would have thought that brick and mortar is irreplaceable. But Mm. however, for the success stories of these Chinese homegrown bra and underwear companies, they start from online. Mm-hmm. So this is my thing. This is as a Westerner looking in from my perspective, from what I've seen in my interactions with Chinese women, I suppose, is that I suppose on average, they are more conservative than European and Western women. So maybe the idea of purchasing underwear online is more appealing. So they don't have to go into the stores and try on different bras and you know, potentially be exposed to slightly embarrassing situations. So maybe that's why these e-commerce platforms with these uh, domestic underwear brands are so successful, particularly in China. Well, also, Xinyu, could you give us a recap on the recipe of (laughs) success for these homegrown brands? All right. Um, So the brands include like Neiwai and Banana Inn and Ubras. They are, uh, I think, the top three best-selling underwear brands online. I think what they have in common is that they all target China's millennials and Gen Z consumers, and they started with online retail. I think mostly because online shopping is still the most popular way of people buying products. Yeah, uh, any products. Any in products, China. Yeah, including yeah. their underwear. And also, the, these brands have also broken the traditional beauty standards that forcing many women to to buy underwear for a better body shape. Instead, they promoted this comfortable underwear mm. and they cater to younger consumers' lifestyles. And, and functionality, right? Functionality. As opposed to just aesthetic, yeah. Yes, functionality and comfort. And also... They have really done a good job in marketing. So if I take Ubras, for example, one of this company's core business strategies is to adopt influencer marketing. Um, The company collaborated with leading live stream shopping hosts or other influencers on the e-commerce platform like Tmall and social media platforms like Xiaohongshu to promote their products. And also another factor is that the company has done a good job in converting these consumers into their promoters. Mm -hmm. So especially on social media platforms like Xiaohongshu, there are over 10,000 user-generated posts about this brand and of which only a small portion was created by influencers Mm -hmm. so all of the other posts were created by genuine consumers so they were the promoters of this brand that's very unique because i think what we've seen in europe and the united states is that influencers are used to promote brands or promote their own brands but it's very interesting to hear that in china a lot of the consumers themselves that aren't necessarily celebrities are being used to promote products, which I think is quite smart because then it also shows other consumers, hey, look, this is a normal person just like me and I can see how they interact with the product, how um, accessible it is, how functionable it is. Um, So as opposed to seeing some really tall, beautiful, slim, you know, model advertising an underwear product to use just your standard consumer, I think is quite a smart move by these underwear brands. 
Also, there's one side of me that might be a little bit too innocent about this, but maybe it just shows that they have the better product and it's not average people being used to promote stuff. But, Mm. well, first of all, I mean, congratulations to that platform in which their female consumers feel or users feel that they're comfortable in talking about pretty much anything, including these intimate choices of your wardrobe and sharing with um, the other mostly fellow ladies, it feels, Mm -hmm. because that particular social media platform you just mentioned, it's one of the slightly nicer social media platforms in comparison to some of the others, it feels. And it's very much uh, female lifestyle oriented or Mm -hmm. whatnot. So there's something to say about the platform as well as Xinyu, you mentioned kind of like a key word to me just now. So that, yeah, you mentioned something along the lines that the Chinese female consumers um, have kind of abandoned or turned the page on, um, you know, bras and underwears for so-called better body shape. Okay, let's just put it in plain words. Mm-hmm. Push-up bras right. are such a thing <laughs> of the last century for Chinese women and bravo, ladies. I think that's becoming a global trend too, actually. Yeah, and um, I'd just like to say a few more words about this presumably changing trend or preference of underwear in this country. Mm-hmm. Like Chinese women now adore comfy underwear because it's our secret to feeling confident and beautiful in our own skin and we're aware that lingerie adds a little magic to those intimate moments but let's be real it's not about impressing anyone but ourselves exactly ladies Mm -hmm. and And also underwear is a day-to-day necessity like it's 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 not necessarily something that you wear like once a month to impress your husband or your boyfriend or something it really is a piece of clothing that is functional and practical. So it makes sense that on a day-to-day basis, women would want to wear something that is comfortable and is fully functioning, as opposed to just looking good. And looking good or not is for me to decide. And thank you very much. And you can do both. I mean, you can have functional underwear that's not like super ridiculously sexy or whatever, but it still looks decent, but also Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. On a day-to-day basis when you're just walking around. In this sense, it has absolutely nothing to do with the male gaze. Exactly. Because let's face it, the like you said, the vast majority of time you spend with your bra is when it's just you. And it's about embracing your own self-confidence and beauty and for your own comfort and empowerment. So your choice in underwear is a deeply personal one mm-hmm. and meant to make you feel comfortable and alluring in your own skin. And I think that is the most beautiful thing that I've seen as a sort of consumer story (laughs) that we've (laughs) talked about on this show for a few years. And we're seeing that this trend not only took off, but it's taking hold and it's influencing all these manufacturers and designers of garments to come up with the next biggest thing. So in addition to what we've just talked about, I think another factor that drove the success of these emerging underwear companies is also they have put a greater emphasis on sustainability um, in terms of more sustainable materials and also how these practices can go more ethical. So many of these underwear brands, they are adopting 
this sustainable production methods and materials such as organic cotton, recycled mm-hmm. fabrics, and reduced uh, this water usage in manufacturing. And also, this also caters to more consumers, their consumption preferences. When they buy something, they want to also consider their environmental yes. impact and also sustainability uh, in terms of consumption. So that's also one of the key factors. And going back to the point where um, regular consumers were promoting these products, I would be interested to see in what way they are promoting these products. I'm assuming they're not going onto social media platforms, you know, wearing the items and saying, hey, look how good this looks on me. I guess they just go onto social media platforms and talk about the product as opposed to displaying it on their bodies. I don't know how... (laughs) I'm not sure how it works because it kind of, if that is the case, it kind of destroys my argument that you know there's a bit of a conservative element to the Chinese market in terms of purchasing underwear. Okay, so that the conservative part of Chinese women, I think that can be a thing Easily. of the past. Easily yeah. dispersed. And yeah. the thing is, people say something when you're being asked in an interview or in a survey or whatnot, but when it's in their own time to free to express what they truly feel about so many things, I feel there is a brand new world in China. (laughs) Maybe that's uh, what it is. Maybe they feel more free and less shy at home in their own surroundings to talk about things that are more intimate as opposed to trying on and exploring items in a store surrounded by strangers. Maybe there's that element to it. It's not always about filming or, you know. uh, But But in terms of like these consumers that are talking about the brand online, how are they just talking about it or are they actually displaying um, I the think item. some of them, they're posting photos of these underwear, but not with necessarily with them on. You see, so that's the thing. So they can, st- you that's can still what be- you care about? No, but, no, but what I'm saying is like, so you can still be conservative and talk about underwear, but I think it's done in a way that makes the the person that is talking about the item more comfortable when they're talking about it at home in their own settings, as opposed to being in a store and trying on items and then, you know, potentially talking to people about it in a store. There's more comfort in your own home and, you know, on your own as opposed to being in public, if that makes sense. So maybe that's why the online element of it is kind of taking away the conservative element because people don't feel conservative in their own space. I don't entirely agree with you because I think in these uh, shops, Mm -hmm. which are like traditional sales channels of bras and underwears um usually it's an all female or mostly female environment anyway mm-hmm. and um and the salesperson is usually very professional in but do you still not feel shy in those why would settings I feel shy about that? <laughs> like, i mean even if i went to an all guys store and was trying on underwear i'd still feel pretty shy you're in that booth the fitting room yeah. by yourself and if you want the salesperson who has proficient knowledge in what is the best size how to adjust yeah. this or that mm. you know I I would still feel super awkward. Honestly, if I was trying on underwear in like an all men's underwear store and someone was like trying to help me find the right fit and the right size, I'd, I'd be like, no, thanks. Can, I'd rather do this on my own. Yeah, <laughs> And you can ask that person to come and help you out yeah. or not and just talk to this person over the door and yeah. that's through the door and that's perfectly fine. But, but then why is the online element so much more popular than the in-store element? I'm trying to figure out what the, is it just convenience? I think also another reason is that in offline stores in the past, some of these traditional underwear brands Mm. that you have to, you know, fit different sizes Mm. in the store to make sure that it fits you. But some of these new products launched online, some of um, the company is offering 
the size-free underwear or one size can fit all different types of body okay. shape. So you don't need to worry about if it doesn't fit. So it's kind not. of like shapewear. As in, like, you fit into it as opposed to it needing to fit you. There are certainly those types of products, but there mm. are also, I suppose, more mainstream products that... Um, because, okay, first of all, these are usually pretty comfy um, mm. underwear or bras. Therefore, for some reason, I don't think they need to, like, fit you to that exact... Mm tiny point yeah, yeah, yeah. but also the customer service assistant are very helpful online and for some reason maybe because they're like more tilting towards the comfy side of things and therefore like if you just tell them your measurements and um and your preferences and they usually it's kind of enough yeah. yeah, 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 and of course you can return them mm. in exchange. But that's always my hesitation with online shopping yeah. is that, particularly with um, outer clothes like jeans and tops and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. is that I know that I will not know if it fits me how I want it to fit me mm -hmm. unless I yeah. try it on myself. Yeah. But I guess, like you're saying, with this comfort element, exact fit is not critical. It's it or yeah, I think you sum it up pretty well, and also. Um, so it seems like convenience is the biggest factor in terms of the online or, trend. Or it's almost like second nature for Chinese consumers or the younger generation yeah. these days. If the online shopping option is the most obvious one, um, for example, like these brands only existed online initially. Mm -hmm. And after that conversation with the sales representative online... Like nine out of 10 times, it seems to work pretty well. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a big feather in the caps of these um, companies as well. The fact that they have started out online only and they're still able to generate popularity. That's a hard thing to do. So these companies clearly have a world-class product. Because, <laughs> wow. No, honestly, because, because generally with these online stores, there's so much trouble with fit and that kind of thing. And it's very difficult to get a product going particularly when it comes to clothing, when it's only online. So I think the fact that they've managed to achieve success just through online sales, particularly for something so intimate like underwear, is pretty impressive. Mm. And also, it's now difficult to tell whether, you know, it's the egg before the chicken or chicken before <laughs> the egg. I seriously feel these brands have started this wave, if not ridden this wave of female emancipation mm. like nowadays the angels strutting their stuff down the runway with the huge um wings, wings. i hate that it's <laughs> the worst like, i can't it, stand it it feels like such an archaic <laughs> yeah. thing and it's almost like the opposite to the song that females want to sing to ourselves today in 2023 and it's amazing how how our thoughts and perceptions and ideas changed so dramatically just in the matter of few years it's nice to see consumers having the power now particularly with women's clothing and women's intimates as opposed to companies dictating how their consumers should look to fit their product so i think it's a great shift mm. so what do you think to might be the challenges for these companies who want to expand overseas because it's kind of a different market out there. For example, one thing I can think think of is in China, usually the sizes of bodies yeah. aren't really don't vary that dramatically. And they're but, generally smaller. I mean, for example, like me, I've got a size 12 UK. I'm not sure if it's UK or US shoe. 
So for me, finding shoes in China is, is very tricky. <laughs> and like a large in China is completely different to a European or a, a American large in terms of T-shirt sizes too. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the companies, Neiwai, the company has already established like two overseas stores, um, one in Singapore and one in New York City. Um, the reason why they chose Singapore is because there's a lot of overseas Chinese living in Singapore. And mm. also the country has this high spending power. And also Singapore, the relatively, they are smaller in scale. <laughs> the city state um, is smaller in size. So these offline stores make it, many consumers will find it more accessible to go to these offline stores. And also in New York, the company has always been wanting to tap into the US market. Um, and back in 2019, I think uh, the company had already disclosed plans to open offline stores in the US. But later, I think there are a couple of reasons that were in the way, like the COVID. And then in 2020, the company launched this official overseas website in the US to offer online shopping. And in terms of what you just said about how they are going global and achieve success, I think for now, according to the data disclosed by the company, uh, it achieved nearly 100 million yuan in online revenue in its first year of international expansion. And initially, the user base was primarily just overseas Chinese consumers. But by 2022, so last year, non-Asian demographic consumers, they accounted for over 40% of its consumer base. Big so, yeah. yeah, so I think one of the reasons is that by opening these offline stores and also offering online um, shopping services, they're uh, exposing their brand to more consumers in the overseas countries. And also they're adjusting their products offerings to the local that's market. critical yeah i think that's what they need to do they need to research the sizes and the the different needs of the overseas consumer as opposed to a chinese consumer and i guess they also need to be aware of price points as well they need to make sure that they're in line with overseas prices or you know hopefully even lower than overseas prices to make themselves appealing to an american that's you know used to buying from american brands for example i mm -hmm. think a huge factor would be the quality of the product as well as the price of the product yes mm. and also the price positioning is an important factor, if not a wonderful opportunity for any company to go into a new market. Because sure. it's, a you know, another opportunity to rebrand yourself. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean for Chinese companies that you should always go for the lower price range. Because sometimes, oh, what is it? Is it called the black label effect? Or like a whiskey branding effect basically if you go for the higher price range oh right and so then, like the, the, the classier and the higher price range it is sometimes it makes it more appealing because it's aspirational absolutely <laughs> yeah. and that's what a lot of um mm. brands have done when they branch out into a new market for True. example like when pizza hut first arrived in china it went after the middle income families households here in china as the um the restaurant, the sit-down restaurant, which brings you joy. And then, like, we embrace that. When, in fact, um, if you visit a Pizza Hut in the UK or Completely in the US, yeah. US, then it's of a lower price range than yeah. that. Na yeah. Nando's did a similar thing. It's, Nando's is a very uh, popular chicken brand in South Africa, and then it expanded to the UK, and now it's massively popular in the UK. But they also have a different kind of marketing technique in the UK. It's also seen as more of like a sit-down restaurant type of situation 
whereas in South Africa, it's purely fast food. All right. Mm. So it's really interesting to see what these companies can forge their future in a different market. And we didn't have chance to look at the global market in great detail, but certainly there is this global preference from ladies, regardless of the country you're from, that um, comfortable bras and lingerie seem to be the go-to option. And this is a beautiful evolution. It's a journey when women are redefining what it means to feel comfortable and confident. And each intimate piece we select becomes a testament of self-love, helping women feel confidently beautiful. Well said. Thank you very much. (laughs) 